Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 29 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And today we're going to be discussing the second shutdown. Is it coming or slow down or how do you prepare for the increase in cases and I don't know, what, what do you do with your practice? So I know Mark's been out a little bit and um, talked to a lot of people and really asked a few ideas and, uh, and then we can also share some other things that you do get closed down again that maybe you can do with your practice to help your patients out. So, uh, Mark, do you want to get things started with kind of what you've been seeing out there? Sure, Scott. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting, and I have been talking to a lot of different practices around the country. Um, and um, as we saw um, the first time around, um, so there, there's variation depending on where you go as to what everybody's uh, at least being told uh, as they move forward. Uh, without a doubt, you know, the first uh, 10 days of November, we saw a million new cases of the pandemic. And uh, of course, the, the fallback from that is we are seeing some of the ICUs get full. Um, and, and of course, they're projecting that with that increase in those cases, you you know you have a necessary lag between uh, that and when the hospitals get full, and and so what we're hearing, or what I'm hearing from a bunch of hospitals is is they are doing a little bit more prep ahead of time, in letting practice managers or practices around the country know that they are going to handle um, this differently. They did, you know, everybody learned something. Not everybody's applying what they learned, but everybody learned something. Um, and they're going to ch- some places are talking about changing the definition of elective surgery. They're talking about uh, maybe utilizing ambulatory surgical centers differently this time through. And of course, the hospitals are doing what they can um, to isolate uh, whatever they can with the relative to the pandemic so that the hospitals can keep functioning because that overall hit is a big one. Um, So, you know, everybody's gonna be preparing for this a little bit differently. And certainly some of the the lessons learned that I've seen across the board are uh, practices becoming more proactive in talking to hospitals about leveraging their ambulatory surgical center. And of course, I recognize that not everywhere in the country is there a friendly relationship between surgery centers and hospitals. But there are some open doors that people have been exploring to, to uh, handle some of the, the, the cases that come in during, the, during another potential slowdown, shutdown, uh, restrictions, uh, and then, of course, just uh, plain overwhelmed healthcare workers. Um, within the hospital setting. So um, we're starting to see everybody prepare for that. And and I think that, that yes, the more you can kind of leverage ahead and see where your hospitals are going, 
maybe look at what the states are doing um, and what they have kind of on their agenda with their tiers. And then, of course, we're going to have to prepare for whatever um, happens in January uh, with uh, what we assume is going to be a, a, a change in the presidency um, and what um, Joe Biden's new task force is going to do and, and how the how the states are going to react to that. So we've got a we definitely have a number of unknowns that are out there that everybody's kind of navigate around. And but I do think there are a couple of things we can actually plan on. Um, I certainly as I've as as I've been talking to folks that are out there, there are a number of people that are out there and, and in the in the world at large that are afraid still to get out of their house and go to see a physician. Um, and with this increase, that is, that is, we're seeing that fear factor inch up. And um, I don't think that's going to go away. And I do think that with Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, and New Year's and all the holidays that are there, and co couple that a little bit with the with the pandemic fatigue and the the fact that families really haven't been together. Um, we're going to, we're going to probably, they're projecting and, and I agree with the fact that we're going to remain at a pretty high level of an infection rate for a while. Now we do have some good news on the vaccines that are coming in. Um, and we know that it's going to take time to ramp those vaccines up and that most likely healthcare workers are going to be, uh, early on in the process to get vaccines. So we're going to see a, maybe a little bit of a shift in, in, how things work and that maybe the offices and hospitals will be better equipped with vaccines and such to handle cases uh, or, or people um, that are not as uh, that are not dealing with with COVID. Um, but we may not have the patients yet willing to venture out um, into your practices because they haven't gotten vaccinated yet. So I do think that um, given what we're seeing on the projection side um, from some of the, the, the folks that are out there uh, that understand infectious disease and epidemiology, um, that we do have to prepare for, once again, maybe an increase in, in dealing with um, fewer patients coming to the practice itself. Um, and hopefully everybody's a bit more prepared with, the, with their telehealth. Um, they've learned how to to put those in place so that you can stay in touch with your patients. And between telehealth and and maybe some better coordination and some different rules around elective surgery, uh, you may be able to to navigate this uh, this this one better than you did the last one. But um, uh, and 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 I do think that that's something that hopefully the practices can look towards and leveraging telehealth and, and maybe moving things forward, um, even with people willing to come to the office. Now, one of the things you had mentioned is that the, the mid-levels have really taken a big hit. And uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on for mid-levels and how long do you think it'll take to recover? Let's just say, uh, given the vaccines do have some good results and we're recovering second quarter, third quarter of next year. Yeah. I mean, there's been a, a number of things that we've kind of juggled through as I've, as I've talked to these groups, 
I know there are a number of groups that have either um, furloughed or, or, or laid off PAs. Um, and uh, talked to a couple of groups where their PAs have had their hours cut to a point where they, they now are moving um, to try and find work elsewhere. And we've had a couple of practices that have been looking to hire PAs and there's a, a large pool of mid-levels out there in the marketplace. So um, it's going to take a little bit to bring that back. And, but the key is to bring back the, the volume of patients that actually support mid-levels once again. On the flip side, um, as, we, as we know, the, the fact that we're not getting as much health care isn't always um, a, a direct result of health care not being needed. So, um, you know, we're talking to some folks that are seeing now kind of like we did with some of the early days of capitation where patients and, and are, are coming in later in their disease state um, and needing more attention relative to those types of things. So there's there's a lot of juggle that's coming in because of the changes represented by the pandemic. So um, I do think we'll, we'll get to a rebound stage, but we do probably look at really that, by assuming that the the vaccines that are out there, and I and I had understood or I had heard that there's two more in addition to the two that are being announced that are are doing are fairly far along in their trials. You know how fast that can all ramp up if we take it from Fauci. He's thinking, you know, May June uh, April as as way too early, but May June July August as as really kind of widespread vaccine availability. Um, you know, that may be the start of the recovery overall. And, and, you know, probably it'll take, you know, a good two to three months to get everybody out of that stage and, and ramping back up again to that overall utilization. So, you know, you are talking about probably, and, and again, this is anybody's crystal ball, but based on kind of laying that groundwork in, you know, you would, you would talk about a year from now as to everybody really starting to get back to quote unquote normal if everything lays out the way it's projected right now. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, Ray, we, we've been talking in our recent webinars a little bit about using the changes with the pandemic and the, the changes with the 2021 rules coming up as kind of a um, a way to use that as a catalyst to get your practice together and have a common goal. And I don't know, having been in practice where you have a lot of different leaders, how do you do that? Or is that a, is that a good, good way to approach it? Well, Scott, after we had discussed that a little bit, why I was listening to uh, news morning for a few minutes and they were talking to Dolly Parton, who has been, uh, during this pandemic area, she's put out a new album with a lot of her friends uh, participating. She's written about five songs, and she has uh, uh, now got a Christmas movie that's coming out. And I was thinking, you know, while you have downtime, is a good time to really look at focusing on improvement. And whether it's how you're going to communicate with your patients and 
and how you can uh, can work with them during this time or doing some work with your employees to really improve your efficiency. You know, there's very few offices that can't improve on what they're doing. So if we look at streamlining what we do and how we do it and, and being sure we have the education we need moving forward, we can use this time to improve our practice of the future. Yep, agreed. And I think uh, you kind of touched on something that, that uh, Mark shared in recent webinar with Sufu is, you know, one of the things that has come up is in the questions that he gets a lot were about group training using telehealth. And, uh, and, and no, you can't unfortunately get reimbursed for that, but, uh, but Mark had some pretty good observations on uh, why that could be a way to be more efficient. You want to share that again for those that did not hear that on the webinar? Yeah, sure. So generally speaking, one of the things that um, I think is an issue for every business, including um, the, the medical business and urologists is in the end the the difference between expense and income is 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 really kind of that revenue stream that that everybody's income comes from and a lot of times we we end up chasing and when we're busy um, or practices are busy <clears throat> you're trying to chase the maximum income on that side and and it gets to the point where you're thinking about I'm not going to do anything that doesn't pay me for an encounter. And the the reality is is that there are uh, definitely ways where you can look at a smaller expense driving um, bigger incomes um, in the overall sense. And what we were talking about specifically with Sufu is the third line therapies often um, went as patients progress that there's usually three different options for a lot of your patients on the next step for treatment. And the encounter that you sit down with the patient one-on-one -on -one usually takes a chunk of time um, and right and, 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 and kind of in the, the process of day-to-day -day living, a lot of mid-levels were doing that, but sometimes the physicians were doing that. And essentially they had the same speech over and over and over again. And you got paid for each encounter as you went through. Um, now, as at, at hopefully as we get busier again, um, and you've got a hope, uh, a likely backlog of patients that really are going to be moving forward with some of these treatments um, eventually, the question is, can you leverage everybody's familiarity with Zoom now and the ability to connect virtually to do a low cost, maybe not a reimbursable, but a low cost encounter that then leads to a higher a higher return encounter um, and leaves your schedule free to be doing those treatments that have better margins than that straight E&M encounter that's based on time, which you're really trading time for money. Is to leverage where we are healthcare-wise in the and using the the telemedicine. Uh, piece of this, and I'll use air quotes on telemedicine because we're not getting paid. You're not necessarily getting paid for all those encounters, but look at your time and look at your ability to leverage 
your expertise uh, to start driving things differently in your practice in the long run. And and I think, you know, those are some of the things that that we talked about in that encounter. But it, I, I think, again, these are places where, you know, as we get back into the full swing of thing, um, are there ways to continue to keep that um, at that those visits that fit better in telehealth um, and and build your practice around um, maybe some better timing and resource consumption to increase your delta across the board by focusing on uh, really stacking your practice full of activities that that have the ROI that you're really looking for. So it's it's a it's a it's a question of analysis, timing, scheduling, and really laying all that down. And I think if you've got extra time during uh, potential shutdowns, or you do have the ability to refocus your energy a little bit from the day-to-day grind, taking a look at the future and 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 pursuing those uh, is a good idea. Mark, I was uh, while you were talking. I know you've given a number of E&M seminars on 2021 documentation. And we know there's a huge difference in how we can score our medical decision-making and our our encounters. But there's also a big change in the way time is computed. Do you have any ideas or or, or do you have any suggestions as to, or any, any, feedback as to how many times people are going to be charging by time and how many they're going to be charging by components in the new year? So in in going through all this stuff, I think that a lot of people looked at the change in time as making it more applicable to more visits. Um, But I think in the end, when you really look at medical decision-making and the documentation time savings, without having to do the bullet counting for history and physical exam, um, that we're probably going to end up where we started relative to time. There are certain visits that make sense to charge on time because it, it, it takes time to do that. Um, but um, I, and they are definitely the definition of time has expanded to better accommodate all that you do relative to the time that's built. But they also bump the time curves on the E&M codes so that, you know, it's, it, yeah, they're giving you more time, but it's also harder to get to the higher levels. So that's a long-winded answer to, I think we're going to end up back to where we started. Those visits that typically are time-based right now, you know, your prostate cancer discussions and your bladder cancer discussions where you're talking to the patient and really coordinating that care are going to be the main drivers and the main place where you would use time even next year. There may be a couple of additions here and there with patients that you can, you're spending time getting them the right drug and really doing the extra work for the patients. But even with all the changes that are there, the medical decision-making is still the most efficient way to, to uh, deal with your patients from a, from a revenue standpoint. And the reason for that question is in talking about that group education, even next year as time has begun to improve and you can count all of that stuff, it's still going to be a, a value to do the 
consider the group education and saving your time on each individual encounter. Yep, I think everybody needs to open up their uh, open their minds, if you will, and um, and explore the options and opportunities that are out there, leveraging the what what's available to you and and what everybody's gotten used to um, as you move forward. So, all right, totally great. I would also argue that uh, you know that that gives more uh, opportunity to see more patients. You know, as as we get back to getting busier and, you know, with the aging population and the shortage of urologists, that makes more sense too. You know, having the additional time to care for the patients, if you can uh, use the group training to, uh, or group education to, to save your time to help other patients, that, that's a, a great thing too. Yep, it's going to be, uh, well, 2021, I, well, I mean, I certainly hope it's going to be better than 2020. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it's looking like it's, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to, you know, kind of slog through a little bit longer um, and, and deal with some dips as we, as we kind of pull out of this. But uh, again, and as you go, leverage it, look longer term. Um, and, and at least in, in, from what I'm seeing and, and hopefully the projections are correct. Um, we can we can leverage this moving forward to actually come out the other side more efficient um, and and being able to serve more people. So, all right. Well, the final thing, and kind of in summary, is that you know maybe using this time if it if it does go to a slowdown to to really look toward the future as opposed to reacting and trying to install a telehealth now that we've already kind of got that those things in place. Now looking how to make your practice more efficient, how to utilize group training and, and those things moving forward. All right. Last word, Ray. Mark, no. anything else to add? Nothing to add. I think that's a good, uh, good discussion and emphasize the fact that there is going to be a pent-up need, there is a shortage, and we need to be more efficient in our practices. Happy coding. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there's time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music under his record label, The Juicery, with extra pulp and special guests.